driver present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later. The Homestar Army proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about. Trek West 5 is brought to you in part by RocketWebDesign.com, custom web design at template website prices. Designs by DD.blogspot.com, your online home for all your digital scrapbooking needs. Need a home along the Wasatch Front? Contact Lisa DeBagere with Kirkham and Friends Real Estate. No one will work harder for your home. And thehomestarmy.com, blogging to the world since 2004. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 146. I am Peter. And I am Joey. Uh, back again from another two-week hiatus. But we're back solid. Ready to go. <laughs> week to week now. I, I told you I was going to screw this up. <laughs> Uh-oh. Crap. Are we off next week? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, you're, you're over there trying to elicit some kind of emotional reaction, and I've got nothing for you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, you are wearing a very bright orange shirt, which I can only imagine has sucked all of the emotion out of you. Uh, so I, I can appreciate that. You're fine. You're fine. Well, you know, it is I'll... the beginning of deer hunt season here in Utah. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> well, with your extreme, uh, look, uh, of, uh, of a deer. So yeah, I, a good call on the orange shirt. Just trying to keep us both safe, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I went with red, uh, 49er colors here, uh, sporting the uh, Patrick Willis jersey. Go Niners. Um, good week for the Niners. Go Colts. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about that. Maybe I should have done that off air. Uh, but Chuck Pagano. Yes, Chuck the, Pagano. The man had a rough week. Yeah. To what, lymphoma. Yep. Or leukemia. I can't I think remember. It was lymphoma. Um, which bad all around. So the Colts. Well, I think it's probably safe to say they're not going to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they are. But you know, we knew it was going to be a slow, a slow year with a new rookie quarterback, who, as it turns out, isn't really that good. They lost like twelve starters during the off season, so I mean, it, it's, it was going to be a rough year. <laughs> they changed from a four three defense, or, yeah, four three to a three four, which I am not a fan of. I don't think the Colts' defense was built very well for a three four. You need to have much better linebackers. I think they're going to get them. I think they realized that Freeney and Mathis. Their their days were right. Writings on the wall. Yeah, you guys are not that great. Um, okay, any announcements that you want to come up with? Uh, you need to share. We'll be posting our Kickstarter here as soon as Pete gets the 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 introduction written. Oh wait, I need to write that. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually uh, that's a good segue uh, to something I wanted to bring up. So um, I I've got this thing called an iPod. Don't know if anybody's ever heard of it before. Uh, but I recently, and by recently I mean this week, downloaded some uh, some podcasts because at work's been kind of slow for me lately. <laughs> Apparently not slow enough that I've you know bothered to actually write the uh, the Kickstarter intro, um, but enough for me to play around with, with and with find podcasts. 
anyway, so I downloaded some podcasts. I've listened to several this week. Um, I downloaded um, Freakonomics. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and just give that a thumbs down. All right. That was crap. That was all like just terror. Like a lot of um, commercials were in it. And then the guys that were doing it were just terrible for what was really five minutes of material. And I had to listen to 20 minutes of crap. (laughs) Just total crap. Um, And then another one I downloaded was The Nerdist, which is uh, a podcast done by Chris Hardwick. Um, He's a comedian. He's uh, done a couple of shows. He does uh, uh, Web Soup. Uh, Plus, he's been around on on other stuff. I think he's been on uh, Geek and Sundry's Tabletop, hasn't he? No, I don't think Chris Hardwick has been on that. Okay, he had. Um, At at any rate, the only reason I downloaded him because... There's like quite blatantly says explicit next <laughs> you, to it. You wanted to find out what an explicit podcast sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, no, I downloaded it because one of their guests was Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay. Who I am a huge fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, and so I, I downloaded that one to listen to it, really enjoyed it, and then promptly unsubscribed from that podcast. <laughs> I didn't want any more. Uh, then I got uh, a podcast called LDS Conversations. I'm a Mormon. I, you know, it's sure. pretty good, you know, fill my uh, religious quota for the week uh, <laughs> so I don't uh, feel so terrible. Or I feel terrible enough. It's the right just, amount of... Just, just the right amount of shame. Yes, just the, <laughs> just the right amount. Uh, then I found one called... The Naked Scientist. Okay. Um, and for any of you who are like getting, you know, your ears are perking up at that, don't because it's just audio. So I don't get to, you know, hear you, them naked. You don't naked. even know for sure if he is naked. No, it's actually something that's put out by, um, it's some, in England. Uh, I want to say from some university over there. Uh, I don't remember which one. But quite ingenious because they talk about the science of stuff that's going on, you know, every week. And so they they have lots of cool topics uh, that I found really cool. So I you know give it a listen to. And then my very favorite is Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay, it's a podcast he puts out once a week. Huge huge fan of. You should check out Bad Astronomer. I think you may like. Who's that one. the Who's the host for that? I can't remember the guy's name, but he he his internet. Uh, identity is the bat astronomer. I mean, he goes he goes by the bat astronomer on the internet, and basically what he does is he finds bad science all over the world. You know, just like in newspaper articles, just all sorts of incidents where people are taking a scientific principle and either misusing it or getting it wrong, and then just kind of says, "Well, here's what this thing really means, and here's how they're misusing it. Here's how it should have been used." Oh, okay. It's kind of entertaining. I, I might, yeah, man, I maybe have to check that out. At any rate, the whole point that I wanted to try and get to this is the fact that our podcast really actually is pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, granted, we're not bringing in, you know, astrophysicists. We're not putting together, you know, A-list celebrities. <laughs> uh, we're not even bringing in, um, you know, uh, you know, big authorities from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We're not getting any of those people. It's just Joey and I, but and, still. And every once in a while, you know, John or somebody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, I forgot. Oops, sorry about that, John. <laughs> uh, the quality that's put out by those other podcasts, 
I I could not tell the difference. And in some cases, I would definitely say that ours was heads and tails better. Now, that's with some of the, you know, equipment that we're using now. I think when we get the the new soundboard mixing board, it's going to be even better. Yeah. And I think that it's going to come even more polished and more awesome. Well, I remember when we first started doing this and I would spend four or five hours on a Sunday night editing the podcast and my wife would say, why are you spending all this time? She says, I've listened to your podcast and I've listened to other podcasts. Your guys' sounds way better. And I said, right. But, that, <laughs> but that's Pete and I. Neither one of us is going to be satisfied putting out something that sounds like some of these other podcasts. We would just feel like... Shame. I mean, it's just <laughs> look, people. We know we're not that entertaining, so we have to have better sound quality to get listeners. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't have a lot of the draw. Neither one of us is an astrophysicist. Yeah. Although I didn't ask you, are you? No, I'm not. You're not. You're not an astrophysicist. I'm working on that. Uh, so it's it's something that we like to have a little bit of polish on. So that's that's where a lot of this is coming from. Um, anyway, that'll go out there maybe this week? Yeah. Maybe? Okay. As soon as you're ready. As soon as I'm, I'm ready. ready. I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready. Okay. All right. I want to share a couple of things. All right. Let's hear it. <laughs> Something arrived in the mail this week. Joey, would you like to uh, tell the listeners what this is? This is your vote by mail envelope. No, this is oh. my new revenue stream. <laughs> it took you a second. It took you a second. I was, like, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> My vote is up for sale, everyone. Um, uh, you people across the pond, if you are interested in voting. If there's a local race, you really have a person. <laughs> uh, a dollar a vote. Uh, I won't be placing these votes until the end of October. Wait, wait, wait. Votes? I'm going to sell a d- oh, each individual Each individual. Um, okay, so what if I'm interested in one and John's also interested? Good question. So it will go at that point to the highest bidder. So it's a, is it silent auction or or do I get to know what he bid? Um. Oh, that's a good question. We I hadn't considered that. What would you like? Well, I, I think you know if I know what other people are bidding, I can be more competitive. <laughs> well, no, it'll go by dollar increments. By okay. one dollar increments, okay. so you can't right. like. A I can't dollar go straight to three hundred dollars and say I win. Oh, you could do that. I would accept that. But I'm just saying you can't go anything less than a dollar. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, here, here, here's my bid for your vote. I will continue to produce your podcast <laughs> with such great quality. <laughs> no, it came in the mail, and so I thought I'd try and pull that uh, that joke again uh, about selling my vote. Not gonna sell my vote because uh, that would be illegal. I remember though we once actually had the conversation yeah. about. Could you list it on eBay? <laughs> and then we found out that it's illegal that's to do illegal. that. Yeah, not okay. Who knew? <laughs> we, uh, you know, that's uh, sort of like one of those uh, public uh, uh, announcement kind of things. You know, we did the public service announcement. There you go. That's our we, PSA. We we offered up a little bit to uh, to the general public. Um, okay, I've got an email. Okay. That I want to read, if that's okay. Sure. This is from listener M. He says. Uh, oh, by the way, he sent a separate email that was asking, like, hey, are you guys recording? Also, do you ever tweet? Ever? And I wrote back and I said, no, that was Joey's brilliant idea and we've never done anything with it. You know, if I ever felt like I had something worth saying, I would tweet. Oh, that's not true. You've got something to say. 
Well, I save all the good stuff for the podcast. <laughs> yes, but then I could belittle you when you do post it up by saying, dude, save it for the podcast. <laughs> That would be an interesting back and forth. Everything I post, you reply, why Why wasn't that saved for the podcast? <laughs> we'll try and tweet something this next week. How's that, Mark? We'll try and tweet something this next week. We're not saying it's going to be great, but we're going to tweet we'll something. Maybe we'll tweet the announcement of the launch of our Kickstarter project. We could do that, but I feel like we should do something else as well. Okay. Some we'll, We're going to find something tweet-worthy. We could just become one of those, like... Funny quote of the day kind of Twitter accounts. Can we take it from somebody else's uh, Twitter yeah. account? Yeah, I can do that. I can <laughs> I can just write a feed to read from like get, get a collection of the best quote of the day feeds and it'll email you and you pick which one you want to have published in our feed. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. He, uh, he says, it's obvious to me that President Obama threw the debate. Wow. According to all the news reports... Obama was running away in the polls, and everyone knew that he was a shoo-in. Obama's fundraisers needed to be a close race so they can bilk the public and wealthy donors for more money. <laughs> can I submit something for Facebook Find of the Week if I'm not on Facebook? Yes. You might like this video clip of an Obama bot. Disclaimer, none of these supporters missed work to stand on the side of the road. Have a good week. Now, I, I watched it. I'll post it up onto uh, Facebook Find. I didn't uh, read this until you know okay. later today. So I'll, I'll post it next week. Um, but, uh, wow. I... <laughs> it's pretty cynical. <laughs> Did you watch the video in I, question? Oh, no. I, don't, I had no idea about it. it no. it's, it's pretty bad. Okay. It's like when you... You were mentioning to me earlier today. You're like, you know what? Sometimes... I wish that I wasn't a part of the Republican that is Party. That's not what I said. <laughs> and it's because of things that other Republicans are saying. Sometimes uh, when I see what other things other Republicans are saying, I wonder, do I really want to be associated with these people? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that video is along the same lines. It's okay. sort of like, oh, no, this, no. Please take down your sign. Please stop telling people that you're supporting me. I don't want to take your support. Uh, anyway, we'll post it up. It got a chuckle, but anyway. Uh, that, that's all I needed to cover. Okay. So do we want to go into who actually did get the Facebook find of the week? Yeah, let's do it. So, Mark, your, your entry to Pete will appear on Facebook. For next week. By proxy. For next week. Pete, for yep. next week. But uh, for this week, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Listener Fishhead for the... Uh, the Honest Trailer for The Avengers. <laughs> now, Pete, you said you didn't watch this one because you still haven't seen the Avengers movie. That's true. Plus, I wouldn't have awarded it to that anyway. I think the award goes to the West Wing uh, uh, McCormack uh, spoof that they did. I loved it. I thought it was fun to watch, but I... I think it was Fishhead who, who posted that one up, so yeah, he still would yeah. have won. I laughed out loud several times at that uh, truth... The true true trailer or whatever it was. In fact, I, I think I have a new franchise to start watching because I've seen all the how it should have ended. At least I think I've seen all the how, how it should have ended, and I now have a new uh, set of videos to go watch because I not only watched the Avengers one, I then went and watched the one they did on Avatar, which was also kind of funny. So okay, congratulations, Fishhead. You will continue to not receive an award. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sad. Um, okay. So, Brainy's Junk of Darkness. He begins, 
The Odyssey, The Blues, and The Mystery Machine. Hello, and happy Halloween to The Liege, The Intern, The Overlords, and The Brain Nation. Firstly, Pete, I am super sorry to have spoiled the season opener of The Doctor. I honestly was not aware that you were even a big fan of our favorite Time Lord. So sorry if you were spoiled, but you did demonstrate the utmost dedication to professionalism as you insisted on reading the spoiler nook yourself instead of, heaven forbid, covering your ears and letting Joey read it. (laughs) (laughs) And we all know that is not going to happen. That that wouldn't wouldn't have gone well? That is not okay. Not okay. Um, But I am glad that most of us are up to speed with this season. And I look forward to a chance to discuss the timey-wimeyness further. And so I wanted to know, before I covered it, do you dudes watch Fringe? The fifth and final season is underway, and I am curious to know if you dudes are fans, because I think that in sci-fi today, Fringe contains the highest dose of science in its application of fiction. Hmm. Joey? Uh, no, I don't watch Fringe, but I do read a blog where the guy every week nitpicks each Fringe episode and goes through how bad the science is Aww. in the episode. <laughs> I actually haven't ever watched the show, but I do read his post and I always get a laugh at you know his his, his explanations of well let's let's just find the plot holes in this week's episode, shall we? <laughs> well, plot holes I don't mind. Not, not but... plot holes necessarily, but just like like. He talks about how there was a, a, a trans-dimensional portal, and it basically comes and goes at the speed of plot. <laughs> well, how would he like it to go? You show me what the trans-dimensional what the portal. rules are for trans-dimensional portals. Yes. Well, when they're when they're huge machines, when they're machines the size of a building, they don't tend to appear dis- appear and disappear between episodes. How would you know? Fair. You're right. Okay. I've never watched it. My my nephew is a big fan of Fringe. And he's told me several times, he's like, dude, Pete, you got to watch this. You're going to love it. And I think this is going to be its final season. Yes. yes. Uh, so I think now that it's over, I may decide to pick it up and watch it as, you know, one of my, you know, alternatives to whatever else is on normally. Um, I have since watched uh, The Doctor Who. I'm up to speed on everything now. I have seen all of the, the you, episodes. You and, you and Brainy can exchange personal yeah. emails now about... We, we, and we will. <laughs> we will. Uh, no, I just wanted him to know. He didn't ruin it. Um, it was still good. I enjoyed it. So don't worry, Brainy. Don't lose any more sleep over this. Which I assume you did lose sleep over it. By the way, I, I just want to state on the record. I talked to the intern. He's seen every single episode of Doctor Who ever. Oh, nice. Good for him. And... Uh, and, and thinks that you're a terrible person for doubting that. Yeah, I can live with that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, Brainy continues. But for this week's Nook of Darkness, we examine everyone's favorite mythological beasts of the underworld, hellhounds. Yay! <laughs> He's got yay in there. I had right. to say it. I personally would not have. You wouldn't have written the yay. Or said it. It seems that all my favorite shows dabble with a little bit of hellhound every now and then. From the Venture Brothers to Supernatural to Sherlock, 
These death doggies contain the advantage as a narrative device of having already been introduced into the storytelling psyche in some shape or form. What we have here is the formation of a myth. We, of course, know Cerberus. Is it Cerberus? Yes. Okay. He misspelled it here. He wrote Cerebus. Cerebrus. I was like, I think it's Cerberus. Anyway, just got the E and the B mixed up. It's nothing bad. Get off his case. (laughs) I'm such a jerk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, buddy. You're okay. You're You're rocking that orange shirt tonight. Um, we, of course, know Cerberus in all his triple-headed glory. The continuing formation of this piece of folklore always included a black dog with some supernatural connection. The already-mentioned establishment of the Hell's Guard Dog in Old World Mythos finds the Hellhounds closely connected with the afterlife, death, and graveyards. This idea was carried by... Uh, carried by into Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte, referred to as Gistras. I don't know. I don't know. Guy Trash. <laughs> it's G Y T R A S H. Okay. Gistras. Gistras. I don't know. We have the Grimm in Harry Potter, the Dark Hounds in the Wheel of Time series, yeah. and so on. The Dark Hounds are those Trollocs. Is that what he's referring to? No. There's something different. Yeah. Something I haven't come across something yet. Something you haven't met yet. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks for ruining that, Brainy. <laughs> you jerk. You knew I was reading the Wheel of Time series. No, did, he didn't. He didn't know say, that. How would he have known that? I think we did mention that. would have been your private emails again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why is he reading my emails? Get out of my head, Brainy. Um, from Sir Conan Doyle's famous Sherlock installment to Piers Anthony's Death Rides a Pale Horse. Literature has certainly taken a run at hellhounds. One thing I liked about the modern depiction of Baskerville is how the hounds were the result of things that people accidentally fabricated from lack of evidence. That is what hellhounds are, an idea in our minds, irrationally born of fear. In a similar way, the short career of a music icon resulted in a piling of tall tales that have petrified over time into legend. No, I'm not talking about Elvis and or Tupac sightings. (laughs) My favorite interpretation of Hellhounds was born from the Mississippi Delta Blues. The Blues has one father, and he is now a legend, the Alpha, Robert Johnson. His story selling his soul at the crossroads echoes with Faustian darkness and has contributed countless songs by countless artists involving that fateful intersection. My proof of his influence on our culture exists in the excellent movie, O Brother, Where Art Thou? For it is, in fact, a retelling of the Odyssey, arguably our culture's oldest story. And in the in the Cohen brothers' modern version of that, they include a character to represent the archetype that is Robert Johnson. The man was a genius. He died at 27, causes unknown. All this mystery lent itself to the layering of the legend of Johnson selling his soul. This event is entirely fictitious. 
Accounts are all secondhand, and they vary greatly. The crossroads could have stemmed from African religious references containing a trickster god of the crossroads. I truly believe that people would try to express how revolutionary this dude was at guitar, so the Faust deal became a punctuation of authenticity. In reality, three of his 30 songs dealt with hell, and the most famous one, Crossroads, famously covered by the likes of Eric Clapton and Stevie Ray Vaughan, is actually about hitchhiking. But one song is definitely about hellhounds. The 1937 recording of Hellhounds on My Trail. Pete will now recite a verse in his (laughs) awesome Scottish-Australian accent. Let's see how bad this is going to get. I got to keep moving. I've got to keep moving. Blues falling down like hail. Blues falling down like hail. Mm-hmm. Blues falling down like hail. Blues falling down like hail. And the day keeps on worrying me. There's a hellhound on my trail. Hellhound on my trail. Hellhound on my trail. Nice. Um, that wasn't terrible at all. Well, I did tap. I tried to tap into what I remembered about my Scottish <laughs> accents. If there's one I can get, it should be that one. Hopefully, I didn't screw it up too badly. Well, I don't care about the accent. I'm just saying the the recitation of the poetry itself wasn't too bad. Oh, it was the part where he's like the uh, the mm part. Uh-huh. I'm like, I would have just gone with it. I would have just gone with it. The reason, uh, which before the podcast, I started doing the uh, who who did that song. The yet uh, once there oh. was this girl. <laughs> God. Crash test dummies. Crash test dummies album. Because there's a part of that song where it's like, mm-hmm. yep. and so I had that stuck on my head from that, and so I was like, should I just do that? <laughs> but no, I didn't want to. Anyway, I've never heard of this um, Robert Johnson. Did I just screw that up right? Yeah, Robert Johnson. Um, I love the idea uh, and the stories about hellhounds. I think that they're really cool. I think they're scary, and they're great. Uh, as you get into the great hunt and further in the Wheel of Time, I think you'll enjoy that then. Okay, and that's book two, right? That's yes. the one I'm on right now. Oh, I I think that they make their first appearance in book two. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, Joey's Culture Corner. Okay, Joey's Culture Corner this week is the brought website. to you in part by. Oh. <laughs> Johnson and Johnson, <laughs> medicated wipes. I, I wasn't aware that they were subsidizing me. Oh, are you, are you just cashing those checks on my behalf? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's this week. It's the uh, the website constitutiononline.org. Ooh, I, b- I believe a dot org. This is uh, well on Constitution Day this this past year. I had an opportunity to go down Which to for the, for people who don't know is May 28th. No. <laughs> May 28th, Constitution Day. It's like September 17th, I think. Or something I don't like know. That. We'll have to check on that. Somewhere I'm in September. Pretty sure it's May. <laughs> May 41st? No. It might be May 41st if you counted. <laughs> uh, anyway, I had an opportunity to go to the Utah Valley University and hear David McCullough speak. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, I've heard of him. This is is a biographer. He's probably the only biographer I've ever been able to actually enjoy reading 
the books. I generally do not find biography interesting enough to stick with the story. Uh, the way he tends to write, though, it's it's engaging and it kept me interested. Which is interesting because he doesn't speak to me. Really? I, I, the stuff I read of McCullough, I just wasn't a fan of. Okay. But that's okay. I, I know he's a really a, 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 a great yeah. uh, historian. Um, by the way, I was just going to – we were talking about private emails earlier. As a quick aside, he, he made a funny comment in his speech where he said, I feel like I know George Washington, John Adams, and Thomas Jefferson – Better than I know anyone I've met in real life. On the other hand, nobody in real life lets me go through their private journals or email. <laughs> you know what? He can have mine. <laughs> anyway, um, he he talked briefly in, in his presentation about this website where they have gone through clause by clause in the Constitution of the United States of America. And they have had scholars write of different stripes, different you know, political Ilk. leanings and things like that, write essays on, okay, here's the foundation for this piece, you know, the, you know, where did the founding fathers look to for guidance on how to construct this particular, you know, clause in, in the Constitution and things like that. And, and it's, it's piece by piece, and it's done as both something that you can read yourself if you want to learn more about the Constitution, but it also provides... Uh, links that are there specifically for teachers who might be trying to teach the constitution to kids in school and they have teacher materials so they with like supporting you know supplemental material that they can do there in the classroom and things like that very very cool website i'm i'm enjoying i've been going through it i'm only up to like uh article three i think but really enjoying the process of going through their their what they've put together oh nice and so this is a free website. You don't have to have an account or anything. Nope. It's just totally open. And that was uh, constitution.org? I believe it, uh, it's constitutiononline.org, I think. Constitutiononline.org. Uh, once we'll again, celebrating uh, Constitution Day, May 28th. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go ahead and move into episodes. We are going to cover episode two. Episode. When are you going to get this right? The Hounds of the Baskerville. Sherlock and Watson take the case of a man who believes a monster killed his father 20 years ago outside the military research facility, Baskerville. Now, this is a bit uh, turned on the ear because most people would mispronounce the actual book by Doyle and call it Hounds of the Baskerville. The book is actually called The Hound of the Baskervilles. I didn't of the people, Baskervilles. I didn't realize people tended to mispronounce that. Uh, yeah, I thought you corrected, uh, tried to correct me on it once. Way, yes. way, way back when. There was now, just the one hound. Yeah. <laughs> and in – I this is the one Doyle book that I've ever read. Probably will be the last. <laughs> I think that's unfortunate because it's actually, in my opinion, not his best work. Um, would you say it's the most well-known? I'd say it's the most popular. Okay. And that's because it's his best. And that's because it's kind of horror-y. And for some reason, people like the scary stuff. Really? Yeah. Okay. I can, get, I can understand why they would say it's kind of horror. And that's funny because I'm not a horror fan. I, I, I don't. Like I don't it care at all. for the scary stuff. I just I'm not entertained by it. Yeah, that's the point I wanted to get. Yeah, I'm not entertained by it. Now, my friend John Madsen, he's from. In times past, he and I have chatted about horror, and I've made passing comments, and he's like, you know, 
like, well, if you're, you know, he got pretty snooty with me about it, and <laughs> rightly so. It's not a genre I enjoy, but I know from the way he's kind of talked, it may be a genre he enjoys. Um, horror has never done anything for yeah. me at all. I, I mean, clearly, it's 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 massively popular in American culture. At least in the past decade or so. Yes. Agreed. Based on the success of the movies. Agreed. Know? Agreed. And I would dare say even back the past two decades. Okay. Um, one of the things that – I once made a comment to somebody and it was like, oh, you're going to a, a haunted house? Why? D- does anyone actually think those are scary? And then people are like, yes. Yes, Pete. People think those are scary. I'm like, I've never once been to a haunted house past being 10 years old – where I was actually scared. I'm glad you added that qualifier in there because I was going to say I've been to a haunted house and been scared, but I was also less than 10 years old. And it was the last <laughs> time I ever went to a haunted house. So That's when, you know, imagination kind of takes over. But after a certain age, it's sort of like, no, I don't think that they would let someone run around with a chainsaw <laughs> that I paid to get into. Yeah. I feel I'm pretty safe here. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. It just it doesn't do anything for me. For other people, it does, and I can get why people would then say, "Oh, okay, well, uh, the Hound of the Baskervilles by Doyle has some appeal because of the not just the mystery, but there's a little bit of a maybe some horror, some scary stuff to it." I can get that. Um, okay, so. I didn't care for this episode. Yeah, not my favorite one. In fact, I think this is the the my least favorite of the six episodes available to us. Sai uh, made a comment on uh, the uh, Facebook page about it. He's like, "Hey, so am I going to get uh, you know people are going to give me a bad time for not liking this?" I'm like, "No, I I didn't <laughs> like it. it. It was okay." Yeah, I, I liked what they did. They did a little bit of character development on Sherlock himself. I liked. What we get to see, and, and we'll talk about it when we get there. Um, okay, so it begins with a bit of a mystery that I don't feel is fully explained. Where the Sherlock, and- <laughs> yeah, walks in completely covered in blood, and a, he's holding a harpoon again, bloody. From what? He killed a pig, apparently. Well, well I know they made that comment, but I. Uh. We have no idea. No clue. I found that annoying. I would have liked an explanation. Uh, but I, I think it's just one of those. We're trying to give the audience the impression that we're not seeing every moment. Stuff of, is happening. Yes, there's there's things that don't happen on screen. Okay. Uh, now Sherlock is apparently trying to give up smoking, and good for him. Let's use this as an opportunity to put out another public, public service announcement. announcement. Those people who are smoking, you should give it up. You will enjoy Trek West 5 if you are nicotine-free. You will enjoy it that much more. <laughs> Those of you who are nicotine-free, start smoking, <laughs> then give it up, and then you'll realize just like how awesome this podcast is. That seems like really bad advice. <laughs> yeah, in retrospect, it's not the best public service announcement, is it? Just give up smoking. You're going to be healthier because of it. And don't, you know, you'll die otherwise. It's bad. It's well, you bad may die stuff. anyway, but you know. Well, there's no guarantee. <laughs> there's no guarantee. Uh, okay, they also mentioned playing Cluedo, and I found it hilarious that uh, once again Sherlock just doesn't seem to get the point of something. Yeah. Because 
he thinks that the person who killed, who was the murderer, was the victim. <laughs> Which was a funny line, but I think we would all realize no one normal would ever make that mistake, yeah. right? Um, do you like the game Clue? Yeah, it's alright. Um, I, I don't think I play it right, because I actually watch as other people are right, making their marks on their little tally sheets. And I go, oh, okay. You're cheating then. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> cheating. Like I said, I don't think I'm playing it right. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose if the rules don't expressly state, don't look at the no, other I, player's so I'm not stuff. Looking, I'm not actually looking like at the face of their card. I'm just <clears throat> you can see the, the area. Where yeah, where, where they're at. I'm like, okay, yeah, I know I what you're doing somewhere in here. And I'll put question marks in there. Say, okay, it might be this one. It might be that one. I'm not sure. Cheater. <laughs> All right. We are introduced to Henry Knight, who is a kid who has this memory, or he has a memory of when he was a kid and his father being uh, killed by this monster. vicious, monstrous hellhound yep. or just hound um and so he comes to to meet uh sherlock to basically get some help and see if he can solve the mystery and we, and we see uh here how sherlock is trying to use puzzles and his his observational skills his deduction deduction skills yeah to replace the nicotine fix <laughs> no, he wasn't using that to replace that. He was, he told the guy to sit down and light up his cigarette. Well, no, I'm saying. So that he could then yes, get a, get yes, his that, high off true. of secondhand that's smoke. True, but, I mean, in the, in the dialogue and in Sherlock's behavior, we're seeing here that really he's trying to use the puzzle to, to plug the gap, to fill the hole. Um, and I, I liked how when he, you know, he, he starts rattling off stuff and, and Watson says, well, now you're just showing off. And Holmes says, well, yes, I'm a show off. That's what we do. <laughs> I like that he's just, he, he owns that. <laughs> yes, I'm a show off. <laughs> yeah. Now, we're at the time, we, we do get an explanation later on why Sherlock decides to take the case. Because when it happens, I was so incredibly confused as to why Sherlock suddenly says, yes, of course, we're going to take this case. Yeah. And again, the line. We, we find out later on, it's because of the, he uses the word hound. Not dog, but hound. Yeah. Um, and plus the whole um, bluebell thing, I think, was related to that. I think Sherlock had made a connection. Subconsciously. Uh, that uh, he didn't bother to mention until it, we get down there. Um, okay. Secret military bases experimenting. Is this not the most like easily used yeah, trope? Yeah, yeah. Like the the government is is secretly experimenting on stuff. It's an easy one. Yeah. It's easy, right? Yeah. Because. We don't want people to just be able to wander onto military bases. That's not something that you ever want to have happen, <laughs> you know. But it, you know, it sort of becomes like almost too easy of an explanation because it's sort of like, oh, it's an easy thing because it's like a built-in. I, I liked how they kind of play with it though in this episode where. 
they're talking to the female scientist and Watson's like, well, you know, what are you guys doing here? She's like, well, you, you, you name it. We're probably doing it. He's like, human cloning? She's like, sure. Why not? And then, <laughs> like, like every weird thing he can throw out there. She's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going on here. <laughs> yeah. I like that they kind of toyed with it. You know, they're like, okay, we realize we're kind of being maybe it might seem like a little bit lazy here. So we're going to go ahead and put it up front <laughs> in front of the viewers. We're going to talk about it, get, get, clear the air a little bit. Uh, I should mention, and I don't know why this suddenly came up, but I mentioned those other podcasts that I listened to and about how we're, we sound just as professional. Just so we're clear, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson is much smarter than I am, and he sounds much more intelligent. I'm just saying the man is quality. more intelligent. Our quality of podcast, audio-wise, that we're putting out, just as good as the stuff he puts okay. out. Not saying we're smarter, we're smarter than him. Yeah, no. Not at all. Don't know why that came out. If, if Neil deGrasse Tyson ever listens to this, I'm a huge fan. I'm not saying you're dumb. Please, please don't judge us. <laughs> and please come on the podcast. We'd love to have you. Uh, you can you talk know, about anything. We hear at the beginning when the, when the guy comes to visit, he talks about how his therapist told him to move back to the area uh, to deal with what happened and things like that. And then we, we see her... I want to say we actually see her hypnotize him, right? Or not? Uh, I think it was just a regular okay. session. All right. Um, all, all told, I first time I watched this, and until I remembered how it ended the second time I watched this, I suspect the therapist. Oh, okay. Good. And I think it's just because you can't trust those people. <laughs> those people? Yes, therapists. Psychoanalysts. Anybody who likes to play with your subconscious for fun. Therapists, or the alternate pronunciation, the rapists. Uh, okay, so we have a stolen idea, ID, and breaking and entering. Yeah. Two crimes that Sherlock is guilty, and by association, so is Watson. Watson, uh, because he has Mycroft's ID, and then they. They basically kind of break into this yes. facility uh, and start acting, assuming that everyone else will just think that they are these high, powerful people. Certainly helps that uh, Watson's able to pull out his ID to show what his military rank is. Yep. Um, I like that uh, when Mycroft finds out what's going on, he imme- like he immediately knew what was. <laughs> like, <laughs> All right, Sherlock, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, so he gets in there. We finally meet Stapleton, Doctor Stapleton, Staples, Stapleton, Stapleton, um, and that's when we make the the connection to Bluebell, yep. which is the glow in the dark bunny, which seems to have you know mysteriously gone missing. Yeah, disappeared. Uh, which we'll find out. It's because of her, the <laughs> the mother of the daughter, um, had been experimenting. Um, okay. So my next note is we're going out on the moor at night uh, it, down a, into the hall. Doctor Franklin deciding to cover for Holmes and Watson. Oh right, yeah, that seems like the dumbest thing that yes. could happen. Yes, like I don't care how famous you are, you show up at my work, I'm not covering for you. Sorry, sorry, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and you come in, I'm not covering <laughs> for you. Especially when you're the guy who's yeah. doing the illegal stuff. Yeah. 
you would want to stay so far under the radar, but maybe that's what they call hubris, right? You know, that's a, that's a good point. The, he's just saying, "Oh, they'll never catch me." <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, Watson, Holmes, and um, Henry Knight are all going out. They're going to go down into the hollow. They're going to look around at stuff, and so they go down in there, and they end up having some experience. Yeah, Sherlock sees something. Yeah. So does Henry. So does Watson. But it's not anything related to this. <laughs> he sees what looks, appears to be uh, Morse code. And we come to find out later on, it's just some lookout point where people go to have sex in their cars. And someone was bumping the headlights on and off? And only one headlight was working. So I, you know, I watched this and I, just, I made the note. Ever since I was probably 10 or 11 years old, just every once in a while, I don't do it all the time. It's like, and just point it in a random direction and just <laughs> Morse code complete nonsense. Just in case someone is out there watching it going, you know, oh, I'm going to decode this. Someone's trying to communicate with me. Q-Z-R-N-T-P-L. What? <laughs> you know, I, just, I just random letters. No, you should do buy more Ovaltine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that one next time. Pete. I'll do that one next time. Uh, of course, that's a uh, you know the joke from uh, Christmas Story. He gets the decoder ring, and he's listening to uh, Annie, um, Little Orphan Annie radio program, okay. and the the code that's given out, and he decodes it with his ring is buy more Ovaltine <laughs> or something like don't forget your Ovaltine. Nice. Uh, anyway, so they go out there, and Sherlock is you can tell. Something's not right with him. He's out of sorts, yeah. And then we end up inside the... uh, um, uh, The The pub? Pub, thank you. I was going to say hotel, but I was like, no, not really a hotel. And we just see Sherlock and Watson sitting in front of a fire. We don't see anything else in the room. They have this big, long conversation. And then there's this big outburst. And then we pan back all of a sudden. (laughs) And... It's a room full of other people. Having dinner. And <laughs> I thought that was probably the best part of the episode. I, I really enjoyed what they did uh, with the the soundtrack as as Sherlock is going on his rant to show Watson, you know, I, I'm still perfectly clear-minded. Everything's fine. Even though he's not. Right. Even though he's not. He's clearly a little bit manic, if nothing else. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, but the the way the they used music and the way they used the framing of the camera and things like that to instill in the viewer a little bit of the disorientation and the the hyperactivity and, and the stress that uh-huh. that Holmes was going through at that moment. I thought that was just it was very clever, very subtle way to express to the viewer a little bit of the emotional state that they wanted us to get from Sherlock. It's a disturbing scene for people who look at Sherlock and think, oh, wow, he's really so calm and cool and collected. He's so logical. No, he is off his rocker. Yeah. He is. He, he doesn't know how he can't. He knows he can't trust his own senses. And that is really screwing with his head. Yeah. So we have at this point, he uses, he recites the famous Sherlock mantra. Yes. Which is, did you write it down? Because I didn't. Once you've ruled out the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable must be the truth. Yeah, and that's 
that's Sherlock Holmes. Yes. That's like a, that's like the, the cap and the eyeglass and the, the pipe. The pipe. I mean, that's one of those, that's the typical Sherlock yes. right there. That's what we know about Sherlock is because of that. Um, which by the way, that doesn't come, where does that quote come from? Does it come from yeah. Baskerville's? Oh, uh, I don't know if it comes from Baskerville's or not. I can't remember what story it comes from. Okay. And maybe it gets it used in multiple? Be. Yeah, I think he, I think he does say it more than once mm. in the stories. Okay. But Baskerville's might have been the first one where it's used. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I really like it. It's one of the one of the phrases that I, you know, try to recite to myself. Try to tell myself when things aren't making sense, when I'm looking at a piece of code, and I just cannot figure out what the issue is. And I'll, I'll just tell myself, okay, just remember, eliminate the impossible, whatever's left, no matter how unlikely it seems, it's got to be true. Because we have eliminated everything that's that's impossible. Right. Another one that I like to recite to myself all the time is, well, it is what it is. <laughs> Another uh, off-quoted, uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I have a quote. I don't have friends. <laughs> Which is kind of a harsh thing to say to... A person who's your friend? Yeah. Yeah. It would be like you or I saying that, like... No, I don't have friends. I don't have any friends. And be like seeing the other person just like crush. Like, seriously? You jerk. What? I've been doing this podcast with you now for years. Well, I, I think we've established that you and I have to be friends from now on. <laughs> Mutually assured destruction. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, then later on, he, he, as he's, you know, apologizing, he says, I've got just one. Yeah, I've got friend. <laughs> referring to uh, um, Watson there because, you know, Watson's the guy who sticks with him and he seems to he clearly appreciates him for who he is. Um, yes. All right. I have a question for you. As the Sherlock expert on this podcast. I have no idea if Lestrade's name is really Greg. Ah, dang it. <laughs> How did you know that was going to be the question, though? <laughs> As I was like, Pete's going to ask about that. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to know, is his name Greg Lestrade? I have, I have never heard him it referred to. It seems unlikely. Inspector. It's yeah. always Inspector. Yeah, and it seems unlikely that he would have a name as simple as Greg. With a last name like Lestrade? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I suppose I could buy Gregory Lestrade. Okay. But still, Greg. Have I, talked, have I talked about Greg on the podcast before? The name Greg? No, uh-uh. Have I not told you about the name Greg? No, you need to. Okay. Uh so for years, when I would go anywhere and they would ask for my name so they could call out my name. Most common example is going to a restaurant where they're going to call out your name to tell you that your order is ready. And I would say, Joey. Oh, and, and I would get people, yes, okay. <laughs> Judy? Jo- Joey? And like, like people, there's just too many soft sounds in the name Joey. People can't hear it very clearly. Well, it is an uncommon name. <laughs> so... I just, whenever they ask for my name, not all the time, but anytime I feel like there may be an issue with them being able to hear me, I will say, Greg. And then I'll just listen for Greg. And it's funny to do this to people when the first time you do it, when, when someone's standing there next to you and you, and they're like, okay, can I have your name, please? And, you know, they know who you are. And you say, yeah, Greg. They always give you this look like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> your name's not Greg, dude. <laughs> 
so yeah, Greg, uh, I just thought it was funny to hear this because I'm like, yeah, that, that's my go-to name because it's a nice, lots of hard consonant sounds. Greg, people don't mishear that one a whole lot. Yeah. Although maybe they might hear Craig. Yeah, maybe. Craig. Craig? Craig? <laughs> Which is it? Greg? Craig? Maybe, maybe I should go with Pete. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that won't get confusing when you're out to dinner with me. Um, by the way, I won't bat an eye. I'll keep your secret identity. Thank you. We should maybe let each other know what those are in certain places. That way we don't accidentally say the wrong name. <laughs> Just an idea. Throwing that out there. Okay. So once again, we go snooping around Baskerville. Yeah. And it seems like Watson should really know better than to go around a uh, bioweapons lab completely unprotected like this. Well, he did see all of the other workers in there. They weren't protected. But he goes into areas that say, like, keep out. Do not go in here without a uh, suit on and stuff Yeah, the like whole that. cold thing, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. Do not come in here unless you want a cold. Yeah. Um, okay, but before that, we have the incredible annoying noise, which is he trips an alarm. Oh, oh, oh. Or I should say... Holmes trips. <laughs> trips an alarm and, you know, bright lights, loud noises. It's meant to be disorienting. Yes. Uh, it's one of those non-lethal kinds of things that, you know, is you know, a reasonable alternative to, you know, gassing yeah, the whole room. Yeah, psychological warfare. Um, which probably plays into what he, uh, you know, is doing to Watson probably helping to you Trying know to set the, up his, the, his the psyche state yeah uh anyway so he plays these horrible horrible tricks <laughs> of sound and gets watson to the point of what uh, um uh brainy talks about in his email at the beginning which was we do it to ourselves yeah. it's fear inducement within ourselves that is causing all of this and it was the power of suggestion because it had been suggested once before that this big massive hound has red eyes and it actually is a hound. That's what he sees. And he psychs himself into this position. And in fact, position. Sherlock had specifically planted the suggestion that the eyes were glowing. Yeah. Um, so at, at any rate, he, you know, Sherlock comes and rescues him. Um, and I use that in quote marks there. Um, and then Watson finally figures it out. Yeah. God, that guy puts up with so much. He really does. Yeah. Um, Watson, I feel your pain, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you considering me Sherlock there. Thank you. Oh, oh look at the eagle on you thinking I was referring to you. <laughs> Couldn't be anybody else. You have no other friends. Um, anyway, so he goes in and he's like, hey, can I borrow your microscope to the, the Stapleton woman as he's looking for this issue? And he finds, you know, it's not within the blood. There's nothing there that he can find. It's not in the sugar. It's not in the sugar. And then he says, I need to go to my mind palace. Okay, wait. Before you go there, I just wanted to point out, uh, there's some pretty good cinematography in this episode. I really like what they did at several with, points. With Watson? In that scene? That was specifically what made me write the note down, but it wasn't the first instance of great cinematography in the, in the episode. 
it was just the one that was the one that prompted me as as we're trying to give us the visual disorientation and the and the sense of what Watson is going through. The, I think the scary a, stuff. Yeah, I think they did a great job right there. I okay, yeah, I would agree with that. They did well good done. with that. Okay, now you can go to the fact that that Holmes is well. I should say you can go to the fact that Benedict Cumberbatch does not do a very good job of pretending to use a micro microscope. I don't, I don't know. know. So there, there. It's a it's a backlit microscope. You can see projected on Benedict Cumberbatch's forehead the dots of light where he should have his eyes if he were yes, actually. Yes, but they were only the- <laughs> showing that when he was looking over and away from the microscope. The no, other no. times it was on his eye. It wasn't on his eyes. I it saw was up on his eyebrow ridges. It was down on his cheeks. No, no, you are seeing this one wrong. I'm calling you on this one. I watched that scene too. We'll, we'll review this later. <laughs> no, we won't. Neither one of us will. Mind Palace, though. Yeah, I've never heard of that before. The Mind I, I, Castle I've heard of the or whatever technique. Um, I don't like. I don't know how you access I, it. Yeah, I can't understand how to make that work. Yeah, to me, you already have to have that kind of control over your memory. And at that point, why do you need the device? Well, I get that. You know how? Okay. Everybody leave me alone. Let me get to yes. – so it's nothing else but me and my mind. I get why that's important. But the technique of doing it is – I don't have I, it. I like that he's he's using his hands around the words. I that was kind of, <laughs> it's kind of cool. Kind Again, of, it's one of moving those, like, things aside. Yeah, it's one of those production value kind of things that makes me really appreciate that – Sherlock, look, this wasn't just we're trying to create – a modern day version of Sherlock. It was we're going to really play with the audience expectation and visual and, and things like that. We're going to really have a lot of fun with these episodes. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. So he Sherlock finally pieces it all together, and it has to do with some sort of testing of a drug. Yes. Of a mind controlled drug, which, by the way. Totally knew it was chemicals. Like the first time they go to the to yeah. the uh, to the place and one, they're freaking one, out. I'm like, I d- once I decided, dude, they're on some drug. Once I decided it wasn't the therapist, yeah, I, I, then, then or I the there. rapist. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so there's a chemical fog that this guy apparently there's like sensors that you step on when you're walking around in this place and it was he was using it as an opportunity to test this drug out because he felt like it was still worthwhile even though it had been mothballed back in the 80s or something something like that yeah um because of the fact that it you know caused death in other uh well, in the subjects and and all sorts of bad side effects at any rate, they Sherlock finally figures it out, and you know the the bad guy comes down into it. He's like, you know, gonna try and I guess end it. Not sure why he's showing up at that point. Yeah. Um, but one of the scary things is everybody. You know, we're supposed to believe, dude, this is all in your mind, and then a dog shows up. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Is this real? Is this a fake dog? And uh, Sherlock is realizes, oh crap, this is a real dog. Lestrade, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. please. Um, and the the thing dies. Um, and then they struggle against the the bad guy. He jumps over a fence, steps on a mine, realizes what he's done, and then 
I think makes the decision, yeah, this is going to be the easiest way to go. Okay, so I have two questions for you here from your quick summary, wrap-up summary there. First question, would Hound be an ethical weapon? Hound be an ethical weapon? Yeah, would that, that chemical... Oh, 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 I thought you were referring to the actual animal, no, 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 the, no, the no. dog. Would <laughs> That's clearly like, ethical. Setting dogs no, I... on someone is perfectly ethical. No, um, <laughs> would, would a chemical that creates psychosis in the enemy be an ethical weapon or would it be unethical? If you're going to use any type, uh, if you're going to use that drug, then you have to allow any other type of drug to really? be used out okay. there, I think. So yeah. there, there's no slippery slope for you. It's a binary state. In my you're, you're in my use, mind, you're going to use chemical warfare or you're not. And if you're going to use chemical warfare, all chemical warfare is unethical. Yeah, I, I it's I, I think the quote unquote rules of war are absolutely silly. Okay. Look, you're you're doing something pretty terrible, and you know we dropped the bomb. Yeah. Everybody was like, "Oh, that's so terrible. We're never going to do it again." I don't know. It seemed to work. <laughs> but was that really that bad? Like uh, you know, mustard gra- oh, well. gas? No, what I'm I'm trying to get across the point of what's the difference between you know mustard gas and a big cluster bomb that goes off and you know kills ind- just as indiscriminately as gas does? Yeah. I I I think it's silly. I would that we lived in a society that had no war whatsoever, and I look forward to that day. But I just don't see the point. So you don't think there should be any rules of war at all? No, uh, how we I, handle POWs. No, I, I think prisoner exchange. I, I I wish that we wouldn't even go to war. But I, I agree. I it, think that's, the, the limiting yeah. of okay, you're not allowed to use this type of weapon, but this type of weapon is totally okay. That I find just silly. Okay, so in in civil law. Do you feel like that has a place? Like it's okay to own a handgun, but no bazookas. Uh, didn't we kind of cover this recently? Maybe. I feel like yeah, this this question's come up before. Um, no, I, I think that there are degrees. I mean, you're not going to hand your son um, a butane torch. Why not? You know, (laughs) there's just the. It's not an appropriate area for it. It's not um, reasonable to to have a bazooka within. Saying once you're at war, all reasons out the window anyway. Is that yeah assessment? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. No, that's that's. that's Where do you stand on this? Or do you not want to answer this because it may come back to haunt you later on? I actually think I would be okay with them using this kind of a chemical. Well, I should say. The, the the side effects that we see in the episode, this kind of, it causes paranoia and maybe a little bit of psychosis, but it doesn't have lasting effects. I mean, Sherlock tells us, you know, once we've all excreted the chemical, we're all going to be fine. Uh, uh, under that assumption, I don't have a problem with this chemical, this kind of chemical warfare. Mustard gas, clearly a bad thing. I, I don't want to... Don't want to even intimate that I'm okay with mustard gas. I see there as I see it as a distinction. I, I don't as, see how. As you you, said, what's what's your end goal in war? It's a question of degrees. Your end goal in war is to win, not necessarily to kill everyone else. How, what's the easiest way to win? 
kill everyone else. Well, it, it's a way to win. I would say, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, I think the easiest way to win is to assassinate the leader of the opposing yes, force. Yes, of course. I remember that ridiculous <laughs> statement. I, I think you kill the one guy and the war is over. And nobody else will dare take his place. Well, we just, you know... It, Terrible, terrible idea. You should not be in charge of foreign policy. <laughs> Domestic policy, I'm okay with you being in charge of. Foreign policy, no. I'll, I'll make sure when uh, President Romney calls me to give me my position, I tell him, well, look, Pete says it shouldn't be in foreign policy. <laughs> well, um, it's a big jump from uh, the Utah County Republican Party to the White House. Well, you know, I, baby Why steps. Not? Baby Why not? steps. Uh, so then the question, second question I have is, we see uh, what is his name, Doctor Franklin. He's running what I would describe as pell mell through a minefield, steps on a mine, and is able to stop himself, like register that he's stepped on a mine and stop himself, and then make the conscious decision to stop. I off. didn't get the sense that he was running super fast. I ju- I got the sense that he had a head start. Um, he did not seem to be in full physical control of his body. He was kind of flailing madly as maybe, he was running. Maybe, and it just seemed. Do you do you think it's actually possible for a person who's running through a minefield to register? Oh, not I a, not at full speed. Stop. No, absolutely not. Not okay. at full speed. Only way you could really do it is if you were walking and paying or attention, right? or maybe yeah maybe like a, a a trot, a slow gait of some sort. Okay. Um, I don't even remember how this ends, other than them saying, "Hey, you're not actually crazy, and your dad died because that guy killed him." Yeah. Well, and then it shows. The, Don't they have like some like nice wrap up scene where it shows uh, Holmes and Watson back at the at the the inn, and they're talking about the fact that these guys did not kill the dog that they said that they had killed. They just kind of set it free to roam the wilderness. Yeah. And it had actually probably been terrorizing some people. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, emails. Emails. All right, we have three, one, number two, two, a three. <laughs> you know, if Romney has his way, the next generation will not get that joke. Really? Wasn't, isn't that he a, doesn't like Tootsie Rolls? Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pops? Oh, 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 I thought that was a Sesame Street skit. Okay. No, uh-uh. that's the owl from uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you now. The Tootsie Roll Pop. When you said that, for some reason, Sesame Street popped into my head. But no, I, no. sure, we're counting. That's that's you know that happens occasionally. <laughs> okay, we're gonna go with uh, Brainy Smurf. He says, "The Hounds of Baskerville, Bluebell, the case of the vanishing glow in the dark rabbit." <laughs> I have one major gripe with this app. And that is Sherlock's allergy, uh, excuse me, allergic reaction to doubt. Why are we so afraid of this word? Perhaps it is an issue of semantics, but we often associate doubt with an undeserved sense of hopeless negativism. negativism. I believe that the power of doubt is one of the most valuable tools we have toward building confidence and understanding where our mind ends and the universe begins. Furthermore, Sherlock already cultivates doubt as an active ingredient in deductivism, deductionism. He even says that iconic line about eliminating the impossibilities and such. In this... 
Uh, in this sense, doubt serves Sherlock Holmes' mind as the bow of his homogenous, metaphorical, ice-breaking vessel. He is not... Bow. What? The bow of his ice-breaking vessel. Well, I was going for another metaphor there. <laughs> the bow and arrow. Bow and arrow of... The ice-breaking bow and arrow. <laughs> Wow, really got that wrong. Sorry about that. Maybe you could uh, just put in parentheses the metaphor you're going for, and then that'll help me choose the pronunciation that or you I could need. Just read these things before the podcast. I did read this one before, <laughs> and apparently I made the mistake then as well. Oh well. Uh, mentioned uh, I, the audio sounds just as professional. <laughs> Joey and I still not as professional. Um, he is not plowing through doubt but rather using doubt as his weapon to reach the truth. This subject is too uh, deep to dwell on now, so I will revisit for an upcoming nook. I like the bit where uh, Sherlock utters, quote, Get out. I need to go to my mind palace. <laughs> Close quote. I also think that the Martin Freeman that Martin Freeman offers a sublime performance in this episode. Although I wonder if the potential for horror was maximized in the scene where Watson enters the lab by himself. I reverently respect the depth of the mind and its ability to twist fear with adrenaline. That's why I found Watson's crazy, trippy terror room to be compelling. He really appeared to be a man that had just lost his grasp on any semblance of control. That's a super scary thing for anybody to suffer, especially a doctor. Some worshippers of Kali will contend that absolute fear is the only way to truly quiet our minds. But altogether, this was kind of like an episode of Scooby-Doo. The dudes stumble onto a haunted woods. The old man we meet at the beginning is actually the bad guy. And of course, it wasn't a specter after all, because the mystery's solution involved the revelation of some foggy, fear-inducing technology. And so it really wasn't that mysterious after all. Sci-Fi 7, TV 7, Western 3, Mystery 5. Altogether, that equals 22 Scooby Snacks. <laughs> Have a super spooky but also safe October, Ambassador Brainy Smurf. Um, I don't know why he's mentioning this. Like Halloween isn't until the end of the month. Is he not planning to write for the next I don't several know if it's weeks? Just because we're watching the horror episode now. Oh, I don't know. Could be. Did you just mention horrors? Horror? Oh, oh, maybe I'm just hearing that. I thought we were going to get to have a conversation about prostitutes and horrors again. <laughs> because those have been those smashing were, success. In this those podcast. were great. <laughs> really great. Okay, let's go to listener Bob. He says, Hi guys, like you, Peter, this is the only Sherlock Holmes novel I have read, albeit nearly 10 years ago, and I can't remember it. Uh, wow, and he's, he's English. That might be, like, I think he may lose. Like his citizenship card or something? Maybe. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> uh, he continues, I found this episode slightly different from the others. More horror and conspiracy than all-out detecting. The modern twist on it was great, although I can't for the life of me remember what happened in the book. 
I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Very tired as little one was up late, and it's 11.30 p.m. as I write this. I give it an 8. Oh, and Falcons for the win against the Redskins, and Arsenal for the win against West Ham. (laughs) What do you think, Peter? And Joey, of course, your predictions are also welcome. Uh, All the best, Bob. Um, yeah, I don't see any way that the Redskins managed to beat the Falcons. Yeah, the Falcons are unstoppable right now. <laughs> They're looking pretty good. Did you watch that drive last week? The, um, the drive? They were down by, I think they were down by three points. or No, they were down by four with 59 seconds left and got the ball at the one-yard line and drove down to win the game. Really? 59 seconds, no timeouts from the one. Won the game. <laughs> they looked absolutely unstoppable. Uh, no, I, I did not know that. I um, I was entertaining oh, that's right. last Sunday. That. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, yeah, and I don't see any way that West Ham manages to beat Arsenal. I, I mean, as much as I kind of think that Arsenal is, is a bit of a mess right now, and again, I, I, don't, I hope I'm not inter, um, insulting you, Bob, but I really don't have... Like, I look at your guys' manager... And I just don't see why they are still employing him. Go Chelsea. Yeah. You, you, you should uh, mention that to Bob since uh, I think Chelsea beat Arsenal last week. Oh, yeah? Yes. So, way to rub salt in the wound of the, one of the few guys who are emailing I, I, in. I, I, I've told you why I cheer for Chelsea, right? They're blue. Yes. They, 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 <laughs> so the, my friends in Ireland said, yeah, you know, who do you cheer for? What, what team do you cheer for? I said, you know, I've never really watched... Who who do you guys cheer for? Said, well, everybody here in the office either cheers for Man U or Chelsea. And I said, well, what are the team colors? And they said, well, <laughs> Man U's red and Chelsea's blue. And I said, oh, I'm more of a blue guy than a red guy. So, I'm oh, not. well, that's true because you are a BYU Cougars fan. No, I'm not. So, and their colors blue. are blue. I wear blue. I don't oh. cheer for blue necessarily. I wear blue, and that, <laughs> they were going to buy me a jersey. Was what the whole thing was all. Oh, about. well, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Okay. So I do have a Chelsea jersey. I should wear it sometime. You should. Yeah, you should. <laughs> Maybe I should have worn it last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. No, Joey wasn't going to let that one go. He stuck it right back in Bob's face. Sorry about that, Bob. Uh, okay. We are going to go to listener M. Hey, Overlords. Last week's song really is from Randy Newman. See randynewman.com. And you can watch the associated video. I guess I was wrong. <laughs> Who knew? Um, the whole Coventry conundrum bit from the last episode was having some fun with the conspiracy theory crowd. They are sure that 9-11 was an inside job that was allowed to happen by the shadow government. If you want some fun reading, Google WTC7. My favorite idea they like to point out is that the BBC reported Building 7 falling down 20 minutes before it happened. (laughs) I was looking at the sample ballot that I filled out, and I was surprised that I get to vote for Mia Love. Hey. Hooray for gerrymandering. <laughs> yeah, you giggle over there knowing how dirty you are. Hey, you know, I had nothing to do with it, but I know what happened there. <laughs> Everyone in the state said, yeah, I see what you guys did there. Yep. Although, as I drive around my neighborhood in Salt Lake County, 
I see a lot of Democrat signs. I think Republicans have a lot more fun in Republican Utah County. The Democrats always show up and make a lot of noise whenever Republicans meet in Salt Lake. I also get to vote about whether Mill Creek should be a city. Does Joey have any opinions about that? I'm leaning in the direction of against. More government is not really what we need. I'm interested in hearing your opinions if possible. So I, I don't know enough about Mill Creek itself, but the the thing you have to consider is if the growth of Mill Creek is such that you're going to have the the more government enforced on you either by the county or whether you choose it for yourself that's that's that would be the motivation for choosing to become a city would be to say you know we're going to take some of these things like you know uh law enforcement and fire department and stuff like that and rather than have someone else dictate to us how we're going to do it we're going to do we're going to become a city we're going to incorporate so that we as a city can set our own policies and determine for ourselves how we, we will be governed here. Right. If you're small enough, the county probably doesn't care. But as you start to get big enough, the county will care and they will try to meddle. And at that point, you incorporate to protect yourselves from outside forces that may be trying to force you to do certain things. So uh, would you say yay or nay? I don't know enough about the growth in Mill Creek City. Joey say- is for it. So you may now vote thusly, listener M. <laughs> we clearly heard, heard him state it thusly. Uh, he continues, I like the idea of the Kickstarter project for a mixing board, but why stop at just that? You should try and ask for more money and upgrade the whole studio. <laughs> I'm sure you can find all kinds of cool things to buy, like mic stands and streaming servers and limiters and noise gates. Then I, I definitely want a compressor at some point. <laughs> then I wouldn't have to listen to any more mainstream media crap. <laughs> TrekWest 5 could build out a whole network of shows. <laughs> it could be great. More Pete. <laughs> How cool would that be? I might donate enough to be part of the live studio audience. Or perhaps could come up with the premium amount to be on the air for an episode. Um, he doesn't want to come stay with you for the weekend, though. <laughs> no, no, no. He'd get that as well. Like, okay. he, you know, he'd get that. And I've got the room all set up for him. All set up. Nice, comfy bed. Um, No, we. I don't think we're ready for that. But I, I, that's I nice. Let's start with the soundboard no. and let's see where, where we go from yeah, there. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> it seems, which, by the way, if you do fund the whole thing, you're on, buddy. You <laughs> Get on out here. That'd be great. Uh, he continues, it, it seems you never have been around smokers in your life. You don't know the difference between pipe tobacco or the stuff they use to roll their own cigarettes. Oh, well, you don't really need to know that anyway. I don't know. I, is he talking to you or me <laughs> no. with that one? Because I think I know the difference between pipe smoke and regular smoke, cigarette smoke. Pipe smoke is much, there's much sweeter, sweeter. Uh I, I have not been around pipe smokers a whole lot. I've, I've been in the room after pipe smokers. I know what's, I know well what cigarette smoke smells like, but my family is mostly chewers. So, <laughs> uh, filthy, yes. filthy habit, by the way. Um, I liked it. Ashamed. 
<laughs> I liked it when Pete threw a piece of scrap paper at Joey. Uh, that could become a thing for when Joey says something stupid. <laughs> Although you would need a lot of paper. Oh, winky <laughs> face. This guy. <laughs> but he does have a winky smiley face. Oh, okay. Which makes everything better. <laughs> yeah, it's an emoticon. It's an emoticon. Uh, by the way, I don't hate Joey. It's just that Pete is so awesome that other people around him appear to be much less. Oh, I, I, I can't argue with that. Yeah, really, I can't I, argue. I certainly either. feel diminished in your presence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've often i i i've never heard you verbalize that before. It's good to hear it. It's good to hear it. <laughs> you knew it was going on, but you just liked the way it was phrased. Yeah. Also, it's good to know that Joey can hack any electronic device he can get his hands on. I hope he only uses his powers for good. He should remember Yoda's final device for Luke. Don't underestimate the power of the Emperor, or suffer your father's fate, you will. I chose not to do that in the okay. uh, Yoda That's voice. That applies to hacking. <laughs> well, just, yeah. The Emperor has loads and loads of power, but he uses it inappropriately. Okay. Don't use your power inappropriately. All right. Everyone was uh, excited about Bill Clinton's speech at the DNC a few weeks ago. However, it was not as good as his best speech. And he left me an audio clip of, I did not have sexual sexual relations relations with that woman. Miss Lewinsky, I am here to govern the people. I need to get back to governing the people and get this stuff off of this desk. I never told anybody to lie. That never happened. Except it did. There was a, there was a great, I remember back, back when that was like big news, right? Somebody went through and, and reparsed the whole statement as, uh, I did not sleep with that woman, Monica, or Miss Lewinsky, being... Miss Lewinsky, I did not sleep with that woman. <laughs> <laughs> like they spun the whole conversation. Okay, now if you listen to that, now listen to everything else he says here, as though he's talking to Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Okay, the Hounds of Baskerville. Was it just me, or did Henry Knight get a bit whiny? I guess he is haunted by witnessing his dad's death, but after twenty years. If you're going to break into a secret government military military facility, you need to have confidence in what you are doing. I also learned that you don't want to say much and just let people lead you around for a lookabout. A little Jim Moriarty at the end goes a long way. Boy, that guy is creepy. Television rating 9. Don't be too hard on the episode that follows a scandal in Belgravia. Listener M. Um, I do have something to say here. I it it did feel like Henry Knight was getting a bit like if it seems like he's a bit soft. Okay. But in retrospect, he was being drugged. Well, and he, so he grew would, up without either of his parents. Yeah, and plus he had that that uh, the rapist who was messing around yeah, with his yeah. head. So <laughs> God, he thinks that sentence with head. <laughs> Um, there was one other comment I wanted to make in there. Let's see. 
Was right, it about how great I right am? Before, right before Moriarty. What did he say right before Moriarty? He was he was talking about how great I am. Yeah, it was after that. About between, how terrible you are? No, it was between the uh, the guy being a whiner and Moriarty. If you're going to break into a secret government yes, military yes, yes, yes. facility. That's what it was. I was just going to provide the uh, the the number one most important piece of advice from my own life of crime. Oh, yeah. I know where you're going with this, and I wholeheartedly agree. 90% of getting away with anything is acting like everything is exactly how it should be. Yep. Act like you belong there, and people will not question you. Correct. Uh, the, you know, the most stunning example I have of this, I was just talking to someone last night about this. We have the uh, the light rail train here in, in Salt Lake City. And I've ridden that light rail a lot. And I've ridden it with the UTA officer sitting right there. And although I had a ticket in my pocket, I've never once been challenged, will you please show me your ticket? However, there was a time a couple months back when I was on the train, the UTA officer is there, and there were some teenage kids that were kind of being rowdy and goofing off. And the guy went over and said, can I see your tickets, please? And immediately they all, oh, uh, um, uh, I, I forgot. I don't have mine. He said, look, you guys, you got to get off the next stop. But, you know, it just, it just speaks volumes to that fact of because I'm always just acting like, yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong here, officer. Nothing to see here. Please move along. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have never been challenged on the tracks train. I do buy a ticket, just to be clear. But I'm just saying, if you act like everything is perfectly normal, it's a lot easier to get away with things. So what we've heard here is Joey's a hippie uh, who loves to take public transportation. Without paying for it. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, you're absolutely right. It is all about the persona that you project. If you look confident, if you look like you belong, you may as well belong. Because people are going to buy it. Yep. They will. Ratings? Uh, I'm, I, I know listener M told us not to be too hard on it, but I honestly have to be, I, I was lost through the first half of this episode. I just didn't feel like I was connected to it. The end was exciting. It was intense a little bit. There were even some good scenes, but for the most part, eh, I give it a six. Okay. I also gave it a six. It's, it's oh. hit and miss. It's, it's a, it's a fairly inconsistent episode. It's got some good pieces in it, but Given the the quality of the previous four episodes that we've really come now to expect out of this production team, these actors, the director, the writers, I just don't feel like this one meets the the, the standard that we hold. You, you probably didn't give a mystery. I did not give him. Would you like to give a mystery? I gave rating, a mystery Joey? rating of seven because I think it's perfectly possible for you to figure out that there is a gas. Yes, that especially because down there in the hollow, I put it yes. together, yeah. and if I can do it. <laughs> Any of you can. Well, I wasn't going to say it quite that way. Yeah, I will. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of The Home Starmy Presents Trek West 5. We hope that you've learned something, had some laughs, and we always invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. Or you can tweet us at hashtag trekwest5, or call and leave us a voicemail at 801-788-4913. So, until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And thanks for listening. Morning sun, it's good to see you again. So good to see you again.